Amen. Uh, Pastor Brad was preaching this morning on the Holy Spirit, and um, so I just kind of uh, uh, took a one one thing that spoke out to me and, and pounded out a sermon around that this afternoon, because um, it wasn't my original sermon. <laughs> awesome when God makes you write four sermons in one week. <laughs> no, preach this one. Uh, but the thing that stuck out with to me was he was saying, you know, salvation is like the beginning, but the Holy Spirit is like with benefits, you know, and that was the thing that stuck out was the with benefits, you know, you have a job and, and people want to know, well, does it come with benefits, you know, because the benefits are the, are the things that you get in the extra. It's not just the job that you get, whether it's salary or whether it's per hour that you're getting paid, but the with benefits is the thing whenever you, and which we don't get sick, right? We know that. But I'm just saying with benefits, you have sick time. So if somebody's sick, they can call off and, and, and still get paid during sick time or uh, vacation time or if they need uh, health care or something like that, then they can go and get that benefit. But the Holy Spirit has benefits, Amen. So we're going to talk about the benefits of the Holy Spirit tonight. And I want you to uh, turn to Acts 27, and we're going to work our way through a story. Uh, there, were, there were some things that I found here that I wanted to share with you, um, 27 and 28, around the uh, story around Paul. When, when he was actually a prisoner, they were uh, taking him to Rome, and he gets uh, in, a, in a position where some things begin to happen to him, but with the Holy Spirit, there are benefits. And so I'm going to go through nine things tonight. Does that bug you, nine things, like it's not ten? <laughs> some people are like, no, it needs to be ten, it needs to be ten. Well, you, that's, you, if that bugs you, you can come up with the one more. You can find the one more, I believe in you. But I'm going to go through nine benefits tonight with the, with the Holy Spirit. And before I do that, um, the, this is, uh, you know, the scripture that was kind of during praise and worship kind of ringing uh, through me was the, which I'm sure you're familiar with, most of you, but if, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You know, it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in us. It quickens our mortal body. Quicken means to, to come alive, you know, and the very same spirit, even though Jesus Jesus Christ, his body was in the grave. He was dead. His body, uh, it, you know, there was no life in it at all. Same thing, John the Baptist. There was no life in his body. In fact, it started decomposing. So there's nothing, uh, there's no life. There's no cells. There's no blood flowing. There's nothing happening there. But the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, and it will quicken our mortal body. 
It brings life to our body. It brings life to our situation, and it brings life to our mind, the way we think, the things that we come across, and to the people that we're around. So if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to overflow out of our life, because we want to live in the overflow. We can't do uh, anything for anybody else if we're not living in the overflow. So we'll only be running around just trying to manage ourselves if we're not living in the overflow of the Holy Spirit. So that's where we want to be. We want to experience God so that it's overflow so much that it overflows. It's pouring out of our life. Amen. So on Acts 20, 27, we're going to read through this. And again, this is Paul. He was, he was being taken as a prisoner to be uh, tried. And it says, I'm starting right at verse 1. When it was decided that we would sell for Italy, Paul and some of the other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from that word right there, Adrenatium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea, and our, our Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. I guess I could have started at verse 3. Sorry, I just blundered through that whole thing just for you. You're welcome. Verse 3, the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. Provide for his needs. Now remember, he was a prisoner. He was a prisoner. But the, the captain of the, or not the captain, but the, the, the guy, the centurion that's in charge of all of the prisoners, he lets Paul go to his friends so his friends can provide for him. So he's like, Paul, go ahead. Go meet up with your friends. I know you got some friends at this port. Go ahead. You've got till such and such time. You can go and see them. And, and you know, you probably haven't seen them for a while. They can give you some stuff, whatever. But he, he gives Paul the freedom to do this. So number one, when you have the Holy Spirit, you have favor on your life. You have favor on your life. You can expect things to follow you. Now, if you don't expect them, they, they won't. But if you expect them and you thank God, God, I thank you that I have favor in my situations, that doors open for me, that, you know, favor happens when things, favor is like when, when a door opens that wouldn't normally open on its own. Like for anybody else, it's not opening, but for you, it does. For you, it does. And the thing is, you got to remember, favor isn't just when, when life is just going great. Because you see Paul's situation. He's in a, in a hard position. He's, he's being taken as a prisoner. He's on his way to trial. So it's not like life is just cherry. It's, it's the fact that whatever situation you're in, things can open up for you. And he finds himself walking in favor. Think about it. Mary. Mary was in a position where the angel came and said, fear not, Mary, but the Lord has found favor, favor with you. And what did she get to do? She got to carry the child of God himself. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, and she carried Jesus Christ and, and brought him into this world, the very word of God. But favor came with a lot of persecution. 
So sometimes favor isn't necessarily just skipping along in the roses, but it, it is a divine appointment that God has given you, and he has said that you are able to do it, and I'm going to make sure that I open doors, and you're going to be just fine. You're going to be safe. You're going to be delivered, that there's not going to be any harm come to you. Understand, like, favor happens when doors open for you. In fact, Paul didn't go until he was ready to go. Did you know that? Like, people think a lot of times that things are just open to chance. But Paul, actually, he didn't go until, there's, there's a scripture, I wish I would have written it down. There's a scripture where Paul actually says that I haven't decided yet whether or not I'm going to uh, go at this time or not. I don't know whether or not, because it's better for me to, for you if I stay, but for me, I'd rather go be with Jesus Christ. I'd rather go be with my Lord and King, but for you, it's better if I stay and help you out. And it was like he was, he was deciding, and then and you can tell from his writings, it's like, but it, I think I'm going to stay. I think I'm going to stay because it's better for you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here a little longer. And then by the time in 2 Timothy, he's like, Timothy, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm ready to go be with the Lord. I've poured myself out as a drink offering before the Lord, and I'm ready to go be with my, my Lord. I'm ready to go be with Jesus Christ, my King. So he, Paul was deciding at that point. We can decide many times if we're walking close with God. We don't have to. It's, it's a revelation and understanding. There, there have been people, my great uncle, he knew exactly when he was going to pass. And he told everybody, and nobody believed him because they thought, oh, you're just having a bad day. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to be here next week when you come. And he knew. He knew that he, he was getting ready to go. There are, are pastors. There are preachers. There are men of God that have said that they knew that this was the day. They knew that they were getting ready to leave this earth. You can walk a walk that's close with God that you know. Why? Because if, he, if you're walking that close with him, he doesn't want anything to be a surprise to you. He loves you that much that he wants to walk so, so closely that, and so intimately that you know nothing's going to be a surprise to you. Isn't that awesome? That you can know what's ahead, which I'm going to get to here in just a second because that's number two. Um, let's, let's skip a little bit here and go down to verse 10. It says, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, he followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. And since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. So number two, besides favor, besides favor, there's perception, or you could call it wisdom. In fact, another version says, I perceive men that we're going to lose the ship and lose the cargo. I perceive. It's like he knew in the spirit. He could perceive. He knew what was coming. Wisdom, the same thing like oh, the word of wisdom, that's what that is. It's heavenly wisdom from above that God is showing you that you wouldn't know any other way other than the fact that God is giving you insight from heaven. 
He wants you to know things in advance. Again, he doesn't want you to be taken by surprise. The Holy Spirit, actually, in, in the Bible, in John, before Jesus Christ left the earth, he was telling his disciples, he was saying, hey, the, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to guide you into all truth. And in John 14, John 14, hold on. Let me just read it to you. He says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. The Holy Spirit will take from what is mine. So Jesus is at the right hand of God. And the Holy Spirit is who lives in us. We have communication with the Holy Spirit. He speaks to our spirit. So he can actually take from what God knows, what, what is the knowledge of heaven, and make it known to us. Wisdom, heavenly wisdom, because James talks about various kinds of wisdom, earthly wisdom, unspiritual wisdom, and demonic wisdom. Well, there's also a heavenly wisdom. So this heavenly wisdom can be given to us so that we can make decisions in life where something looks logical. Something looks completely like, yeah, this would be a great decision. But you're getting a check in your spirit that says, no, don't. I know it looks good, but don't. And so we can make a decision based on the peace, based on the impression that Father God is giving us so that we won't make a huge mistake in life. Well, Paul was getting that perception. He was understanding that this ship's going to go down. This, this ship, we're going to lose the ship, we're going to lose the cargo. So, and he's trying to tell them, but they went ahead and made a decision and listened, listened to the captain and listened to the owner anyway. So perception or wisdom, to be guided into truth. So the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Now let's go to, let's skip a little bit further because, yeah, the, what Paul said was going to happen, happened. There was hurricane force winds that came. The ship begins to, to uh, get caught in this storm and skip down to verse 21. They have to start throwing things overboard. They start losing the cargo. They have to lighten the load. In verse 21, it says, After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and the loss. I like Paul because he's very honest. He's very blunt. If he was alive today, many people there are like, Yes, I like Paul. Paul's wonderful in the Bible. But if he was really alive today, many people would be offended by him. Because he was, he was very blunt. And he was like, men, just to make my point, if you remember, I said not to sell. And this is what you get. This is why we're facing this disaster. Just wanted to make my point. Now, let's go on. So he was just like throwing that little extra in there. Uh, verse 22, he says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am, whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So number three, you see that this angel visits him, angelic 
angelic assistance, divine assistance, angelic assistance. The Bible says in Hebrews uh, 1, I believe, 14, that aren't the angels ministering spirits for those that are heirs of salvation? That's us. We are heirs of salvation. There are angelic beings sent on assignments, not only for the things we pray for, but they are there to minister to us. They are there to help us on these assignments that we've been given. Just like Jesus Christ, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and angels came and visited him and strengthened him for that assignment. They strengthened him before he went to the cross. There are angelic beings. We don't always see them. You would probably be surprised. It'll be a surprising day when we go to heaven and we find out that there were angelic beings around us helping us with certain things that we didn't know. I remember there was a time. Do you remember the time when we were driving the Hunter Road and, the, and that, that, that crazy turn right on the cliff? There are all crazy turns right on the cliff. But, but and, and, and this big truck... I'm talking like a U-turn. This big truck that was coming from Hana, like you know, dump truck size, but he was coming and he was flying around this turn. And he was on our side of the road. And I can't even tell you how we got out of that because it's serious. We were way too close to him, way too close to the wall, and he was on our side of the road. And if, if you, those of you that know the Hana Road, there are not two sides to the road. There, there's just like one, there, there's enough for a car and a half, not a truck and a car around this turn. And I, don't, I just like went like this because I was like, we're going we're gonna to hit. And, and he, he was biased. I have no idea how it happened. I honestly don't, but I knew once he passed, there had to be an angel there, just like, you know, somehow separating the vehicles because there was no way possible. No way possible. There are times that I know that there, there's a, I think there's probably a lot of angels on the Hana Road. <laughs> Seriously. But there were, there were times when I was like, I don't, I'm not sure how that happened. I'm not sure how we just crossed on that bridge, both of us, because it's a one-lane bridge. I, I don't know how that just happened. But it'll be interesting when we get to heaven and we, and we see the times that God spared our lives, that God was there. And there was angels around, but we couldn't see it because they were ministering spirits sent. Why? For those that were heirs of salvation, those that inherit salvation. That's us. Are you putting your angels to work? And I don't mean like going out living wild and, and like I'm putting my angels to work. No. Uh, what I'm saying is in your prayers, are you praying things? Because the thing is, when we pray, there are angels collecting these prayers and doing something with them. They're the ones being sent out on assignment by the prayers that we pray. And are we putting, sometimes we, we don't pray enough because we don't think anything's going on. Are you putting your angels to work? Are you making them work for you? Or are you, are you, do you have them all sitting around in recliners because, you know, they're not doing anything because you're, you're, you're not praying anything and you're not believing for anything? Get your angels out of the recliners. All righty. Moving on. I'm going to stay with the same passage that, that we just read. So you have angelic assistance, but you also see 
You also see here, he says, do not be afraid, Paul. This is the, the angel speaking. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your encouragement, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. The fourth thing, God will give you influence, or you could say God will give you position or a voice influence position voice you can name it any one of those things god will give you influence position a voice he was the prisoner now look who's talking i preached in fact my very first sermon i ever preached i said i called it from from prisoner to cap to captain is what it was or captive to captain because he and it was on this passage right here and it was because he, he was a prisoner, he was the captive, but he rose to the top to where people started listening to him. He, he didn't have a rank, he didn't have an authority other than spiritual authority. Other than the people realized, uh, this guy's got something going for him and we don't understand what it is. I don't know how he's perceiving these things. I don't know where he's getting his information from, but somehow he knows this stuff and we got to start listening because he perceived this and we didn't pay attention. So God will give you authority. He will give you influence. But the thing is, you've got to respect that it's coming from God. You've got to give him the glory. You've got to give him the honor. And you can't be quick about running with your own mouth. Because if you're walking out the wisdom of your own senses, then it will cancel out your authority. You see what I'm saying? Like, if you're walking around uh, uh, half the time, you're spouting off or just giving information or whatever, and then uh, part of the time you're, you're trying to speak uh, by the authority of God, people won't give you credibility. So you, you have to build your credibility in the spirit, but not be running around over here all the time flying off in the flesh. So... Build your credibility in the spirit. That will give you authority and influence. Now, it's not that you're running around trying to gain authority and influence, but God will give it to you as you honor him and as you're spending time with him and you're doing your assignments that he's called you to do. He will, he will automatically, you can't honor God without him honoring you. So position or influence. Make sure you're speaking of God's wisdom, not, not your own carnal wisdom. Now, you also notice that he says here, he says, the angel tells him, he says, God's going to give you the lives of all who sell with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. He said, men, because you're with me, then your lives are protected. So the next one. What are we on? Number five, protection of your life, but also of those around you that are putting themselves under you or around you. Let me tell you something. Uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin, uh, I remember reading in one of his books one time, and I, and I can't remember the exact details, but he was, he was saying that there was a, another pastor that had come and visited him, and, and this pastor had some sort of, of physical issue, and I can't remember what it was, if it was, if it was uh, arthritis or diabetes or something. I don't remember what it was. But it, this, huh? 
diabetes. Okay, so this this uh, friend came and he visited. Well, uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin said, this doesn't exist when you're with me. He said, you're in my car, you're in my authority, you're in my house. That doesn't exist. The guy was fine as long as he was with them, but he didn't have the faith to carry it himself. So when he left, it came back on him. But it was like the covering was there because he carried such an anointing and a faith and a belief that if you're in with me, then you're going to be okay. You know, you can carry that. You know, churches can carry that. A church can carry that because we've seen so many times before where people, if they remove themselves out of the covering of the church, all of a sudden it's like they get attacked or they got something going on or health issues happen all of a sudden and they're taken out. Because they don't put themselves in a covering. Covering is huge. And the thing is, he's saying, guys, I walk with God. Guys, listen to me. I've, I've got some special connections here. And if you will just listen, you're going to be okay. You will be safe. You'll be protected. And so these men had to, had to listen to him. In fact, if you go on, it says um, in verse 31... Well, let's just go ahead and read the rest of the way through. It says, on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. So they took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again, and it was found to be 90 feet deep. So it was getting more and more shallow. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors left the light let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. He said, if you go out and try to do this on your own, you're going you're gonna to die. But if you will listen to me and stay in the security of what I told you to do, the word of the Lord is this. But if you go outside of this, you're going to die. You're going to lose your life. And so they cut the ropes because what they were starting to depend upon were these lifeboats now. They're like, if we can just sneak out and get on these lifeboats, we're going to escape. And maybe we won't even have to be prisoners anymore. We can, we can run away from here. We won't have to go to Rome and be a prisoner. But Paul was saying, if you do this in your own flesh and you depend upon your own thing here, then you're going to lose your life. What happened with Rahab? Rahab was in a, a wicked town. And then, but she did what? She helped the man of God. And he said, if you will be in this house and lower this scarlet cord out, which was the symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when they lowered that cord out, or when she lowered it out, she, he, he said to her, if your family is with you, when we come, they'll be saved. But if they're off doing their own thing, they're not going to be saved. When we stay in a position of trusting in God and his word, we will be saved. The Holy Spirit will give us words, but we've got to trust in that word. We cannot stray and do our own thing. I know it sounds so easy. It sounds like, well, what's it going to hurt? I'm just going to do my own thing. This sounds logical. And you know in your spirit that God said no, or God said do this, or God blocked you in an area, and you're, you're like, ah, man, I know I've... I've I, I'm just restless with this. I know I should do this, but I'm just, this looks easier. 
This looks more comfortable. This looks, this, you know, and you're trusting in flesh. The Bible says cursed is every man that depends on flesh, that leans on flesh, or the carnal mind of flesh. You know, that's the same thing when, with our emotions, our feelings, and all of those things. If we lean on that instead of the spirit of God, then our efforts will be cursed and not blessed. We will be blessed if we walk in the thing of God that he told us to do, what the Holy Spirit told us to do. All right, let's look at verse uh, 33 and read on down a little bit further. <clears throat> it says, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. He said, for the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and he gave thanks in front of them all. And then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. And when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the force out to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. Because remember, these prisoners, if they escape, when these captains, when these centurions get back home, they lose their life if they lose prisoners. So they don't want any of these prisoners escaping. So they were talking, we should just kill them. That way they don't escape. And, and then it says, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life. And he kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those that could not, who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were there to get on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safe, safely. You know, it, it's interesting. You look at this. Because he wanted to spare Paul's life, then they spared all of them. Again, it's another position where if you hang with the right place, if you hang under the, the right covering, then you're going to be spared. You're going to have deliverance in your life. And that's exactly what happened there again. So the protection of yourself, but also others. But the sixth one, the sixth one is you become an encourager of people's destinies. You become an encourager. What is the Holy Spirit? The Bible says the Holy Spirit is a counselor, an encourager. He encourages us. He counsels us. He comforts us. In our time of need, he comforts us. In our time where we don't know what to do, he counsels us. He shows us the right way to go. He encourages us to do, you, you know, if you've ever, uh, even this morning when Pastor Brad was praying over people, you know, there were, there were words that he was giving people. It was an, an encouragement to them to continue to do what, I don't know what words they, that some of you got, but I know that the Holy Spirit always encourages. He's an encourager. And you, because you're carrying the Holy Spirit in you, become an encourager to someone else. Yeah. 
You become an encourager of their destiny. And it's just like what he was saying. He said, now listen, he said, if, if just you're not going to die. We're going to eat. We're going to take in some of this food. And then we're going to go to shore. Your life is not going to be ended here. I know they're talking about killing us, but it's going to be okay. Trust in the word of God. Trust in the word that he's given to us. And the thing is, everything was fine. He was an encourager of their destiny. You are an encourager of the destiny of other people, not only your own, but of other people. When you speak to them, you can pull things out of them that God, sometimes it's harder to see in yourself the things that God has put in you. He has given you certain things that seem sometimes very natural to you, but other people can see it and be like, man, you're anointed for that. You're, you have a gift on the inside of you that, how do you do that? Because I couldn't do that. You know, there, there are some people that's told me that about certain things, and I'm like, well, that doesn't seem like a big deal to me, but I'm looking at them going, how do you do that? You know, there's, <laughs> there's no way I could do what you do. So God has put giftings on the inside of you, and sometimes we don't always see what they are, but someone else can spot them very easily and pull them out. And begin to encourage you in that thing. And that's what Paul was doing. He was an encourager of their destiny. And it's just like what we've been doing uh, for the last couple of months. Uh, one, one time on the month, on Wednesday, we've been encouraging each other in our destinies. And by doing that, you're, you're, we're setting down and saying, what, it, what goals are you trying to accomplish? What things are you wanting to get done? What is the Holy Spirit telling you to do right now? And sitting down with a small group around the table and, and getting ideas and brainstorming and other people encouraging you in doing what you're doing. We've got people that are getting ready to get cars. We've got people that are writing books. We've got people that are paying off debts. We've got people that, that even the kids, the teenagers are involved. Everybody's involved to pursue destinies. And that's what, it, that's what uh, every person plays a part. You yourself, you're, you have your goals, but you also become an encourager to someone else. All right, let's go to, to a verse, chapter, sorry, 28. And let's finish this out. Verse 1, it says, Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness, and they built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. And Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said, he's a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. And he welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from a fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. What happened during that time in those, those nine verses? What happened? Well, first of all, Paul gets bit by a venomous snake. 
and everybody, they knew, the islanders knew, they knew what kind of snake that was. That's a poisonous snake. They knew that snake. They're waiting for him to die. They're just sitting there waiting. When, when's he going to swell up? When's, he, when's his oxygen going to, like, cut off? When is he going to turn blue? When's he going to, you know, whatever it is. They're waiting for him to die. They're like, man, this guy must be a murderer. That's, what, that's what's going on because, you know, the God justice let a snake come and attach itself, and we're just waiting on him to die. Well, he doesn't die. Nothing happens. Nothing unusual happens to him. So what is he carrying? The Holy Spirit. What's he carrying? The healing power of God on the inside of him where he's not even affected by it. Now, if he started running around in fear going, where's the aloe plant? Where's the, where's the, that one plant so I can grind it up and put it? If he started running around in fear all of a sudden, then I, he probably would have died because he would have let fear take over instead of walking in faith. But he just sh shook it off. He shook it off. And, and they're waiting, and nothing happens. And then what happens? They, they go to, a, a, to the high official of the, the island. They go to his house, and, and then the father of this official, he's sick with a very high fever. Paul lays his hands on him, prays, boom, he becomes well. Everybody else comes to, the, to, to where Paul is at, and, and he heals them. He prays for them, heals them. The healing power, that's the, that's the seventh one. Healing power for yourself, but not only for yourself, it's for others. It's for others. So the healing power of the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you. It's just like that verse I read earlier. It quickens. It makes alive your mortal body. That means anything, any cell, anything that's not supposed to be in your body, anything that's not operating right, Take that verse. Run with that verse. Father, I thank you that you quicken my mortal body, that the very same spirit that put life back into Jesus Christ's body when it was dead, back into Lazarus's body. Did I say John the Baptist earlier? I, huh? I did, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> you're probably, you guys are probably thinking, man, this girl needs to read her Bible more. No, I meant Lazarus. Lazarus's body, when he was in the tomb, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come out of there. And the same spirit that dwelled in Jesus Christ went into his body, quickened his body, and began to flow and brought him, resurrected his heart, resurrected his liver, resurrected his organs, his stomach, every cell in his body, and brought him back to life. The very same thing happened with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit resurrected his body. That's the very same spirit that lives on the inside of you. It can dwell and quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. So healing is in you. It's just we have to tap into it. The Bible says that the Spirit, that the, the, the power that's at work in you, in Ephesians, the power that's at work in you. See, we can't even imagine or fathom, the Bible says, the things that he has for us, the things that he desires to come out of our lives, what he wants for us. But it has to be at work within us. That means we got to work it. Work it. That's why it says we have to work out our own salvation because it doesn't just come. We don't just sit in a chair and then say, okay, God, just do it all. Touch me and, and make this happen and make that happen and, and, you know, make me a success. We have to work it. We work our faith. We work the word in our life, and that's how these things come to pass. 
All right, so last, last couple verses. Last verse, number, uh, verse 10. They honored us in so many ways. And when, they, when we were ready to set sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. Number eight, they honored him. They honored him. Why did they honor him? Because his business was about God. He wasn't there on the island like all the other prisoners trying to escape, trying to watch out for his own life, trying to figure out. Remember the other day on, on Wednesday, those of you that were here, and I said, if you make your life about others, then, then God will make sure things happen for you. If you solve someone else's problems, then God will make sure doors open for you. But the thing is, that's what he was doing. In fact, another version of the Bible says that he, Paul went out and he was gathering brush because people were cold and that he was put, taking the brush and putting it on the fire. He was the one going and getting brush. There were other people just sitting there. They were cold. And there will some that there that will complain. There will be some that will sit there and talk about how cold it is this night. And man, isn't it cold? And boy, I wish we had a, a bigger fire. And man, I just wish that that somebody would stoke this fire. Well, Paul's out getting the firewood, and he's the one getting the brush. He's solving a problem. He's about the business of other people and trying to make that. He's about the other prisoners, guys. This is not it. This is not it. You're going to live and not die. This is not your last night. You are going to come out of this, and you are going to be safe. Just listen to the word of the Lord. He is uh, going around healing people, healing, healing their bodies, bringing people back to life. He's not going around saying, well, you know, this is a really bad situation I'm in. How do I get out of this? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I think I might try to sneak off myself. I might just try to escape. If I, if I get up at 3 a.m. and sneak off, maybe I can run into the woods and get out of here and they won't find me that's not what he's doing he's about the business of the kingdom and when you're about the business of the kingdom what does it do it brings honor to your life and that's what happened as he's going around showing the power of God not to be a show he's solving people's problems he's as he solves their problems guess what honor comes because any time people get touched by God, they want to give back to God. But the thing is, when God, when God is sitting in heaven asking us to do the work, who are they going to honor? The person of God. Because that's the closest thing that they've got to God to be able to honor. You understand? Like, they want to give back to God. If you're the vessel, they're going to be indebted to you. If you're the vessel that solves their problem, they're going to love you because you cared, because you loved them, because you showed compassion. That is why Jesus had so many followers, because he had compassion on them. He loved them. They, he wasn't like the Pharisees. He wasn't trying to put a burden on them. He was trying to loose them of their burden. And as a result, they were like, man, this guy is different. This guy cares about us. He wants good things for us. He's not trying to, to make it harder on us. He's not condemning us. He's trying to bring us life. He's trying to give us a hope. And as they did that, they followed him and they listened to his teachings. God will bring honor and promotion when you solve people's problems. In fact, Psalm 75 
6 and 7 says, Exaltation or promotion comes neither from the east or the west or the south. But it doesn't say north. It doesn't say north. Because God is the one that gives promotion. God is the one that brings promotion into our life. It doesn't come from the east, the west, the south. It doesn't come from your employer. It doesn't come from, from anybody, your mom and dad. Promotion comes from the Lord. Promotion comes from you. If you will keep your eyes on him. See, there's too many people, again, they're leaning on flesh, trying to make things happen in the flesh. If I just do this. You know, there's people that as, as long as the, the boss is looking at him, then they'll work. But as soon as boss is gone, Brad and I were talking about this the other day. I said, people that, that really, truly have a servant's heart will serve when no one is looking. They will serve whether they get paid or not. They will serve because it's in them to do so, because they want to be a blessing, because it's in them. Not because someone's looking, not because, uh, you know, the, the person of influence comes around and, and they're, you know, watching, and all of a sudden, Brad used to have an employee that did that when when somebody uh you know of influence would come around they'd jump up and and start setting chairs out and you know anytime or, or then they'll try to get the person of influence they'll try to get their their ear and talk to them and try to get all the time with them but the thing is god sees through that stuff he he sees our heart he sees when no one's around and we're doing it anyway when no one's around and we're still solving problems. When no one's around and, and we're, we're making sure that things get done. You know, it's like every Saturday, Minister Mara comes down and, and her and the kids, they, they clean the whole sanctuary and clean the bathrooms. You know, whether I'm down here or not, most of the time I'm not. I'm usually studying. But she's in here cleaning, you know. The, the, all you volunteers that help out, you're, you're doing it whether I am standing here or not because you have a heart for God. That's what it takes. You honor God, he will honor you. And the last one, number, number nine, it says they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. God will bring you provision. So number nine is provision. Provision. And, you know, I was thinking... The whole time the, the disciples were with Jesus, as those three years were going by and they were being trained by him and they were, they were uh, hearing his words and, and gleaning from his uh, wisdom and his understanding, they didn't have to worry about anything. When Jesus was on the scene, there was stuff. He took care of them. There was an overabundance of fish. Hey, guys, throw your net on the, over on the other side. Yeah, but we did that all night. Just do it. Okay. And, they, and up comes a huge load of fish, so much to the point that they have to have help hauling it in. Overabundance. Overabundance. God brings provision. And you know what's interesting is even when there was the 5,000, he tested them. It says that he tested them and asked, how are we going to feed all these people? But the Bible says that he already knew. He already knew how he was going to do it, but he was testing uh, Nathaniel. And Nathaniel was like, oh, God, Jesus, I mean, this is going to take like a whole year's salary. It didn't say they didn't have it. 
It didn't say we don't have enough to feed them. It says it's going to take like a whole year's salary to go to get this stuff to feed them. Why don't we just let them go take care of themselves, take them back to the, you know, let them go back to the villages. Let them go back to the town so they can get something to eat. And you know what Jesus did? He said no. He provided for them, and that was, that, that's just, you know, it says 5,000 men, but there, you know that there's women, and you know that there's children, so there's a good 10,000 plus, and he's like, no, we're providing, we're providing. When you're with me, there's provision. That's what he was teaching them. When you're with me, there's provision. When you've been with me all of these three years, did you ever lack? No. Okay. Provision, provision, but it takes faith. It takes trust, provision. You know, I, I know that there's been so many stories where, where uh, people would, would say, you know, there was nothing to eat, and all of a sudden, uh, I can't remember who, who, whose story this is. Zane, you'll probably remember. Uh, where, where the mom would never want to ask for help, and she would sit down at the table with the kids and, nope, we're going to pray. They would sit down at the table. They had nothing. There was nothing to feed them. And then as they were praying, there's a knock on the door. And, and then, you know, they go to the door and, and someone brings food. Provision. Just right at the moment they needed it. But the thing is, we're already stressing three days ahead of time. Well, what are we going to eat on Wednesday? I know it's Sunday, but what are we going to eat on Wednesday? You know, and we're stressing and trying to run around and leaning on flesh. I know it's a new concept to get used to, and we all got to work better at doing that, but God is a provider. He sees the lilies of the field. He sees the sparrows, and he says, I take care of them. Will I not also take care of you? You're more important than they are. Hallelujah. When you have the Holy Spirit, these were, and there's probably more that you could pull out. But these were nine things that I pulled out of just this story to show you. The whole, when the Holy Spirit's in you, these are things that you have access to. These are things that can flow out of your life. Amen? Hallelujah. Why don't we stand to our feet? And even, even tonight, the thing that I want you to think about is how do I apply this? In my personal situation, what is it that I've been maybe a little slack on here? What is it that I've had maybe a lack of faith in? Like whether it's, whether it's the provision part, maybe I'm always stressing about provision, maybe, maybe I'm always uh, stressing because I, I don't know which way to go and, and I don't feel like I'm perceiving uh, maybe, or I want to perceive maybe too much. And, and I'm not trusting in the one thing that he told me to do right now, you know? And, and there's, I'm, I'm wanting like 26 steps and I haven't taken the number one yet. And sometimes we got to take the one before uh, he gives us number two, you know? So there's the perceiving and understanding, like maybe we're, we're, we're trying to, to have position, trying to push ourselves in an area where maybe God's saying, no, I'll open the door when, when it's time. And then we realize later, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I was trying to make that happen. And man, if I, if I would have made that happen, I would have totally fallen on my face and embarrassed myself. And you realize that five years you know, later looking back. But at the time, you know, you're trying so hard to make that thing happen. So it's so important that we listen to the Holy Spirit. 
out of those nine things, what is, what is the one that you would say, I need to kind of focus in on this right now, the, the one that I need to have more faith in this area right now because I haven't been trusting in him. I haven't been applying my faith in this area. So even with your head bowed, Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that always leads, always guides. Lord, you said that your Holy Spirit leads us into truth. So I pray, Father, now that you bring people into truth, that anything that's been in their life, that, that maybe it's been clouded, maybe, maybe it's, it's just not been real clear, or maybe there's just been a lot of push in the flesh, but there hasn't been a, a stopping and really asking you, like, what am I supposed to do here? But Father, I pray that you will be the one to show them at this moment what it is that you want. And sometimes, let me tell you, sometimes it's a still small voice. Most of the time, it's a still small voice. And we're looking for some big thing. Because I'm telling you, look at me for a second. Even in the realm of, of, of healing, when Paul was healing and, and laying his hands on them, Think about it. He, he's on an island. He's not on a stage somewhere having an evangelistic meeting. This is just a situation that was handed to him. This is just something that, man, shipwrecked. There's a lot of things that could be a distraction right now. There's a lot of things that we could just be moping over because I don't have a home over my head. I don't have this. I don't have that. There's a lot of things that, that could be a focal point. But he, he decided that he wasn't going to allow that to pull him off focus. And the thing is, sometimes it doesn't seem like it's that big or that it's that glamorous or that it's, but the smallest little voice or the smallest little leading or the smallest little thing could be what God's telling you to do. And you're like, no, that's not it. I'm looking for lightning flashes. You know what I'm saying? So many times it can just be the smallest little thing. No, 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 I'm, no, I'm talking. I'm talking. You can tell me afterwards. Don't interrupt the Holy Spirit. Allow the Lord. Don't, don't think that everything has to be fireworks. Because the Holy Spirit speaks to us, just like Pastor Brad was, was telling this morning. He speaks to us in a still, small voice, and it's a nudge, and, and it's, He's a gentleman. He doesn't push you off the cliff. He doesn't say, okay, go. You know, we're going to go. We're going to get your parachute ready. We're, we're going. He speaks to us gently. And that's oftentimes when everything else is loud and everything else is whirling around. That's when we need to pay attention to the still small because the, the world is screaming certain things. But we need to be quiet and, and just be peaceful. And understand what God, God is trying to lead us and show us in. Because sometimes we could cloud it all up by us trying to make it big. Us trying to make it like it's a big, huge thing. And it's just one, one small little thing, one small step, one, one act of faith. So, Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you are leading every person in here. 
Lord, that every person is walking in, a, in an area of overflow of the Holy Spirit. I pray that even the things that the people, the situations that they come across, that it becomes habit where they just stop for a moment and say, God, what do you want me to do with this? What is it that you're leading me in? I don't want to be too, too uh, rushed in making a decision, but I want to take steps according to what you tell me to do, that we will train ourselves to always hear your voice and follow your sensing and follow the peace of God that reigns in our hearts. So I pray, Father, that there will be clear instruction and that we won't try to, to mess it all up by, by trying to make it something that it's not and trying to over-spiritualize. But, Father, that we will just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and trust in the things that you're calling us into. And even if it's things of healing and deliverance for those that are around us. Father, that we will begin, that people will begin to lay hands on the sick if that is something that they've never walked in before and they're desiring to do that, that they will begin to step out and be the very person God created them to be, like their master, like their creator, that they will begin to lay hands on the sick or even just lay hands on people and pray on them and say, hey, can I pray for you? Let me lead you in this prayer. Let me pray with you today and that they will see results from heaven in Jesus' name.